Hello and welcome to Dad Educates Daughter Series 4, Episode 2. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Dad. How are you? I'm good. So, second episode of A Male Soloists. Mm-hmm. So, again, a, mix, a mixture of who you had this week, and um, really it was... Um, they call it the the Cliff Richard episode because Definitely. you had five artists: yep. um, Cliff Richard, John Farnham, Don Henley, Kenny Loggins, and Michael Sembello. Mm-hmm. And of those five artists, five of the songs were not Cliff Richard. <laughs> yes, the that rest... still doesn't do justice. How many I had of Cliff Richard, though. Well, it was, so a, it was um, what, at least 20? More than 20. 25. 25, yes, I've just counted. Yes, 25 songs of Cliff Richard and five from the rest. So, as I say, Very this is the Cliff Richards episode. A bit like last time with Shaking Stevens. Yeah. But that, that's how you'll yeah. find it is at the beginning because... Um, Male soloists, I suppose, there wasn't, it wasn't a, you know, I mean, even now, you know, if you take away Ed Sheeran, there, name me anyone else who's had hit after hit as a male soloist. Drake. Who? Drake. Who? Do you not know who Drake is? No. Okay. It's a duck, isn't it, a Drake? Is it? I'm on about Isn't it. that a male mallard? No, I don't know now. Maybe you're making that sure is a completely that. different um, type of podcast. Yeah, not what we're here for. Chris Packham, um, Spring Watch. Yeah. Um, so, series four, episode two. How many number ones did Cliff have? Yeah. So, <laughs> so they're all from Cliff. But I think he's got more than I've said. Like, probably a lot. I've gone for six. You may be surprised to find out this week you heard two number ones. Okay. So which were your six? I mean, you've covered it, you know. You you should get the the two, shouldn't you? I might not have. There's 25 songs I could have completely missed them. (laughs) Um, Suddenly... She means nothing to me. Never say die. Baby, you're dynamite. She's so beautiful. And wait, did I say six? Yes. I said. Oh, I said four. Two hearts and mistletoe and wine. Okay. So suddenly, she means nothing to me. Never say die. She's so beautiful. No, I didn't. Ba- yeah, two, baby and dynamite. Two hearts. Well, how many you got? You got seven then with two hearts and right. mistletoe and wine as well. Two, four, six. Suddenly. Seven. Seven. Yes, see, seven. I can count. Okay. So shall we um discuss Cliff Richard? Yes. Okay. So you had, as we said, twenty-five songs of his. Sir Cliff, as he's now known. Um, 
he's um, been around a while. So his actual name, believe it or not, is Harry Roger Webb. Harry. Harry, exactly. That's probably why I changed his name. He don't look like a Harry. Imagine it. Right, let's discuss Harry Webb. No. Doesn't the same impact, does it? But it's because of all we've known is Cliff Richard. Yeah, that's true. If he never did that, he would... It would be normal. So he was born in Lucknow, India. Oh, um, when India was known as British India. And he has been active since 1958 in the and music business. So he was 18 at the time. So he's been in the music business since he was 18. Can I just say as well? Yeah. I think we get to. I've never seen a young Cliff Richard before. So, like, mm. watching videos, I was like, oh, that's what yeah. he looks like, young. Uh, so what genre before I give it away and say? Uh, pop, pop rock. So he's rock and roll, pop rock, rockability. Okay, yeah, I got the pop rock. I wouldn't say he's, like, proper rock, though. Like, mm. rock and roll rock. I wouldn't go with that. So, that's yeah, but you're cool. listening to his, uh, his later stuff, I suppose uh, his earlier stuff. And one day was... 60s, 70s. Yeah. So, following Indian independence in 1947, the Webb family moved to England and settled in Carsholton in Surrey. Okay. Um, Henry Webb became lead singer of the Drifters, and at the request of the 1950s entrepreneur Harry Gratur, he changed his name to Cliff Richard. As Cliff was after Cliff Face, which suggested rock. Oh. So Cliff Faces are made of rock. Uh, Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, So that's where he got the cliff from. And um, Richard as a tribute to Webb's musical hero, Little Richard. And hence, put the two together, Cliff Richard was born. Hmm. So there you go. That's where it comes from. That's so random. Like, yeah. most people, if they're changing their name, like, is it? I think it's Katy Perry. I think her real name's Katie Hudson, but there's already a Kate Hudson, so she changed her name, but she didn't go far from it. Like, she mm. kept Katie and just changed the surname. Whereas, like, Cliff Richard. So, do you reckon this entrepreneur, who's funny enough, his name was Harry. Harry, I bet he was you like, think no, it, I, I, do you think it would have turned if he goes, okay, can I call myself Roger Webb? Because that was his middle name. As So he just, you know, cuts out the first name, goes, you know, but still, again, you know, Cliff Richard, yeah. Roger Webb, Harry yeah. Webb. But that's because Cliff Richard's all you've known. Like, yes, like yeah. Me going I mean, down down Cliff isn't a Cliff isn't a, a name, is it? I don't. I, I don't know many other Cliffs either. It's not. It's not a name that people use. I can honestly say I can't think of it any. Think of any other Cliffs. If you used to say to someone, "Name me someone beginning with someone with the first no. name Cliff," I reckon ninety nine point nine percent would say Richard. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, the nearest to Cliff, you get a Clive. Yeah. But I don't even know many Clives. No, no, so, so anyway, no. never thought about it like that. You know, you I think know. of Cliff Richard, you don't think, where's he got Cliff from? No. It's a weird name. But yeah, there we go. Anyway, so the, 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 um, the group then became known as 
Cliff Richard and the Drifters. Oh, so they did a whole uh, switcheroo with the name. So the group had six hits between 1958 and 1959, including a number one in July of 1959 with Living Doll. Living Doll. Yes. Up myself a crying, walking, sleeping, whatever, however it goes. Living Doll. But I've got Living Doll as Cliff Richard. You may have. You may have. I also put... Didn't I put feature in? Young ones. Yeah. Yeah. So we will go into that later. But that was his first number one. 1959. Before even I was sort of, let alone you. (laughs) So by the time a living doll had reached number one, the group had changed its lineup and was obliged to change its name from the Drifters. So they became... Known as Cliff Richard and the Shadows. Oh, I feel like I've heard of the Shadows. Yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah. I, I certainly have. And um, your granddad was into them. He was in them in a big way. Probably my first introduction to music. Apache um, and the Shadows. So, yeah. Uh, So from late 59, they were known as Cliff Richard and the Shadows, and they had seven hits between 1959 and 1968, including a number one in October 1959 with Travelling Light. So in 1960, Cliff Richard had also started a solo career. So it was running, he was doing it on the sidelines, but the, the Shadows were still going, but he was also sort of going out so cliff went on to have 21 top 10 hits between 1960 and 1965 21 top 10 hits in five years and is that as a solo or is that yes that's a solo including six number ones so you're right when you say he's had a lot of number ones but they weren't in the 80s he was coming to the end of his you know, um, career, not career, because yeah, he was still think... going now, but at the end of his popularity, I suppose. You know, Granny was still buying the records, but little Sandra, the niece, wasn't. Yeah. Um, And nor was all her friends, and they were the ones that were changing the landscape of the music to the pop synth from the guitar-driven 60s and drum. He's so, still um, releasing yeah. music now, though, isn't he? Sorry? He's still releasing music now. Yeah, he still, he still still, does the odd Christmas song, I think, yeah. He released a Christmas album in 2020. There you go, see? Loves his Christmas. So six number ones, they were Please Don't Tease Me in 1960, I Love You in 1960, The Young Ones again in 1962, the next time, Bachelor Boy in 1962, so double A and Bachelor Boy, I remember. I don't remember it when it came out again, oh, 1962, okay, before my time, but I do know Bachelor Boy. The Summer Holiday from the film, Summer Holiday, which he was in, um, 1963, and The Minute You're Gone in 1965. I didn't realise he'd done a bit of acting as well. So, yeah, oh, yes. So Cliff would have his next number one in 1968 with Congratulations. You must have heard of that. 
That's Cliff Richard. Celebration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's not Cliff Richard. Hang on here. Listen to this. I already knew this, by the way, even though I wasn't born, but I do know this. Congratulations was his UK entry in Eurovision. What? Yes, it but but it lost out by one point to Spain's entry. The shadows eventually split up in 1968. What? He was he he lost by one point of winning. Yeah. Like yeah. so, he was in the Eurovision. Yeah. And we lost by at, one point that year. At one point, I think we gave Spain more than they gave us. So if we hadn't have been so gracious to Spain, Cliff, Cliff Richard would have been a Eurovision winner. I think. I so um, the shadow split in 1968. Um, they hadn't done, you know, they obviously were in the background, but it was all about Cliff now. Um, so Cliff Richard is now seen as a solo artist in his own right. Um, although, let's be honest, with the amount of number ones I and mean, top tens he's had, he's, yeah. I think the writing was on the wall, really. It's a bit like Robbie Williams when he left um, Take That, isn't it? I don't, although he wasn't even as successful as this, was he? But everyone knew it was going to happen. Yeah, he was like the one that was going to be. Yeah. Um, and he's also started acting and appeared in many films between 1967 and 1973. Oh, so he was, sorry, I, I thought he was in Summer Holiday, but he wasn't because. Um, that was 1963 unless he might have had a cameo so I don't know I thought yeah. he was, I know there was one where they were on holiday on a coach that I've seen um, but yeah um, and he even had his own TV show it's Cliff Richard which of was run between 1970 this time finishing third behind that well-known musical outpost luxembourg and again spain and now like what are we doing we've got blooming main miller and we're finishing next to last his next uk number one would be over 10 years since congratulations what year was congratulations again uh, so congratulations was what did i say 1968 oh no okay so his next uk number one would be over 10 years since congratulations when we don't talk anymore which i should have given you so that is a good good song uh reached the number one spot in 1979 that is a good song. I mean, I, I know, oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. Let's just chuck you one more. Yeah. No. <laughs> we don't need to give me one. It's, just it's one of his better ones, to be honest. I've probably already heard it. Yeah, yeah. It's one that, um, yeah. Um, so then let's um, now go into the 80s with Cliff. So, right. Before you go into the 80s with Cliff, yeah. can I just ask them? So Cliff Richard, obviously you've had, he's had all these hits. But when yeah. was it prime time? Was it the seventies? It's got to be the sixties when he had those twenty-one top ten hits between like nineteen sixty and nineteen sixty-five. Oh, yeah. I can't think of any other artist that's had that so many he, hits in that's in you know five years. Is a that's yeah. a lot of songs being released in that. You know, I don't know what Ed Sheeran's records like, but in five well, years, has he had twenty? I mean, I know it's different now. You can put out an album, and half yeah. the album can get to number one. You know, yeah. I mean. All of Ed Sheeran's albums 
10, I don't think his newest one, Subtract, has done as well, but usually Ed Sheeran releases an album or like Adele releases an album and their album goes takes over the top 10, top 20. So. And that's the difference with downloads. You can have a song on the B side of an album that could people could really like it and all download it and it could get to number one. Cliff yeah. had to release them. And you've probably yeah. released four or five, no more than five, even that was seen as a lot off one out because you wanted people to buy the out to listen oh, I like that song you release like another yeah. or like that and you go out and buy the album if you're yeah. releasing the whole of the album people wouldn't go out and buy the album no, so it's a, a different yeah. different baller but you know even you know at cliff standards nine between for five years 21 top 10 hits that's yeah, got to be right. the peak of him and I that's obviously the- and that's why the shadows were still he was still not a, relatively an art a, a solo artist as I say, I think yeah. the shadows realised. Um, they probably were like, well, mm, yeah, doesn't need us it. anymore. <laughs> okay, so going into the eighties, and although Cliff was now past his peak, and the music sound had changed considerably, um, as of that of pop rock and to synth, he still had a number of hits, partly due to his pop huge popularity. Um, so if you think, you know, he's he had a number one in the in the 1950s. Um, he then obviously was, as we just went, you know, very successful in the 1960s. In the 1970s, he has he's a, he's a, he had a TV show, and now we're going into the 80s uh, on the back of a number one in 1979. You know, so he literally, I'm still here. You know, just to remind you all, the music's changed, but I'm still here. Um, so yeah, so. It was during the 80s that Cliff started to record contemporary Christian music and was known for releasing singles every Christmas. Ah. I wrote about one of the songs. You'll find out which one later. But I wrote that it sounded like quite religious and Ah. hymn-like. So I get that with all of this. There you go. So he had one very popular single uh, being Mistletoe and Wine in the Christmas period in 1988. And in 1990, Saviour's Day uh, was number one. Saviour's Day. On a Saviour's Day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that meant that he was to have his last number one in nine so sorry sorry so he got he, he had number one at the beginning of 1990 yeah saviour's day yeah. and he was to have his last number one in 1999 with millennium prayer millennium 40 prayer. years after his first number one to give him 14 number ones over his career 14 over his whole career yeah he ain't gonna get any now, is he? Uh, no, I mean we're talking. His last one was nineteen ninety nine. We're we're in twenty twenty three. Ten years over that. Uh, yeah, twenty three years. Um, so Cliff has sold more than two hundred and fifty million records worldwide, making him one of the best selling music artists of all time. He is the only singer 
to have had a number one single in the UK in five consecutive decades. Oh my the gosh, 50s, yeah. the 60s, the 70s, the 80s and the 90s. Um, he has just the three Brit Awards. Although oh, yeah. I say just, he's got three Brit Awards. The Brit Awards didn't weren't really a thing until the 1980s anyway. So he's got them at the end of his... At the end of his... You know... Tour. Yeah. Um, he's got two Ivo Novello awards and has been and was knighted in 1995. Was he knighted for his contribution to music? I would say so, yeah, or at least music and arts. And mm. you know, he's, as I say, he's, he's obviously more known for his um music, but obviously, he has, um, as I said, appeared in films. He was, he was in a sense. I mean, we said about funny enough last week, Shaking Stevens being the Cliff, the Elvis Presley, but yeah. Cliff Richard is probably more of it because he's yeah. been in films. Cliff Elvis Presley was in yeah, films. But, yeah, but that's a different though, because we were comparing Shaking Stevens to Elvis the look. based on his look and yes. the Cliff Richard was probably our Cliff equivalent Richard to Elvis Presley at the time because mm. they'd have been around the same time. Yeah, and were both in films. That's mad, because, like, isn't it weird? Have you ever seen those things where um, it tells you, like, things that have happened at the same time or people that have lived at the same time that you do not put together? But mm. I would not have thought Elvis Presley and Cliff Richard overlapped. Yeah. Like, they don't... I would say Cliff was our Elvis in the UK. I mean, obviously, Elvis yeah. was still big over here, you know, whereas, you know, we had the Beatles as well. I think so when you look at that, oh yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree because the Beatles were like they the, they oh. were, you know, they changed mm. they changed music, music in, a sense. in England, yeah. So so anyway, so that was Cliff Richard. So onto his to... songs. So there you go. So Cliff Richard appeared in two Eurovisions, didn't win any. That at one point. I like that. And I think we should bring Cliff back for Eurovision next year. Yeah. Putting it out um, there. Bring him back. He okay. obviously did that. Well, he can't I do any worse than our recent lot, other than Sam Ryder. I don't think we've really done that well. I also, that's what I was saying. Who do we have met in this year? May Miller, who, who got like second to last, or wherever yeah. she came. But I also didn't know that you could be in Eurovision more than once. I thought it was like one of those things where you yeah, there was someone it. this year that was in it for the second time for a country. Yeah, yeah, there was, but I didn't yeah. watch. I didn't know you were allowed. I thought it yeah. was you done it once. So, what did you think? What? What? So, you knew there was someone this year. What do you think they were going to get kicked out? No, I only knew someone this year when it actually ended. Oh, I'm with you. Okay. So, I was kind of like, oh, didn't know that, and then you saying Cliff Richard reminded me, and I was like, yeah. oh, you could. Yeah. So, 1980, Carrie, number four. Oh, okay. So it starts off the 80s good, but it was on the back yeah. of a number one. Yeah, it was him. It was his comeback. So, like, yeah, I'll just go out by bit clip. Um, this one was like a slow starter. Although there were good, so there was like backing singers, and the way Cliff and them harmonised, that was really nice. Okay. 
1980 still, Dreamin number eight. So just, you know, let's just remember, this is Cliff, who's been around since 1958, okay, yeah. in the music business. He's, he's not a spring chicken either now. I mean, you know, he was 18 when we, whenever it was we said he got into music. Um, can't remember when, what, we, what year that was now, when we said. Uh, 63? No. no. 50. 1958. So 1958 he started with, obviously, the Drifters, which is when, obviously, they had their their first. Um, oh, no, it's 1959 he had his first number one. Um, they had six hits between 58 and 50, and 59, and the number one was in 59. But 1958, we're now into the 80s. So, but, you know, he's he's in his yes. 30s. Yeah, that's one, still very young. And two, he's had such a, like, vast career so far. Like, well, he's almost he's in his 40s. Had... He's almost in his 40s. He started at 18. Yeah, still young. With, well, is it not music-wise. How old's Ed Sheeran? How old were all these whippersnappers coming out of... You know, they're they're all in their fifties and that now those in the eighties. We're talking about the eighties and he's in his thirties almost in his he's in his what do I say, almost right. in his forties. But one, that's still young, do what you please. Two, it all right, you probably wouldn't start your music career in your forties, but he's been around since like fifty-eight, as you say, with two different bands. So People have followed him through his journey. Oh, that's and that's what he's got a huge, huge. You know, your auntie is a big Cliff Richard fan. Is she? Um, or your great aunt, sorry. Oh. Um. So yeah. Sorry. Doreen. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, I see that. So, um, yes. So, nineteen eighty, dreaming number eight. It's got a good beat. Got a good beat, but I'm not really feeling it. Not, not, a f not a huge fan of that. Then just had a good beat, yeah. But yeah, I like the beat. Okay, 1980. Yeah. Suddenly, number 15. So it wasn't even a top 10, and you thought it was number one. Well, do you know what? I really this one is in my top 10. I'd say. Um, Olivia Newton-John's on it, isn't she? That's a really nice song. They um, mm. work really well together, you know. It's just a beautiful song. It was a near favourite, that one. Mm. But it would be, I think it would have been more for Olivia Newton-John than for him. Like, they just work well together. Uh -huh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, 1981 we're going into now. A Little in Love. Also number 15. Okay. It's a bit repetitive. It's nice and upbeat. Do you know what? But I say this now, he's very relaxed with music, isn't he? Like we don't. Well, have, he's been like, in the business for so long, hasn't no, he? I don't think, but I mean, like his music is relaxed. Oh, I'm with you. Like, yeah, yeah. It's not. Like, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not. Like it's very. Like you were saying. Like, like I said that. Like you've got a few hymn-like songs. But then you're 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 in his. He's changed. Remember from his earlier stuff. I think I would prefer his earlier stuff. Uh -huh. mm. But yeah. Okay. This is probably my favourite, the next one. 1981's Wired for Sound. And that got to number four. That one was a good one. 
It might be up there in my top 10. Um, I have no idea what you're singing, though. Like, I was there, like, proper listening to him, and I was like, I have no idea what you're saying. But it's it's a good song. Like, this, the sound of it is really good. Mm. Lots of, like, all of it put together. And, like, if he sung it and you could really understand him, I don't think it would sound the same. It's just a I don't understand. He's English, and it's wired it's for sound. Do, no, do, but it's the way do. that he's singing, Dad. I can understand that bit. <laughs> The way that he's singing, like the other, like the the uh, verses, I'm like, oh. don't know what you're saying, don't know what you're telling oh. me. Yet. I'll wait for the chorus. Okay. All right, uh, 1981, Daddy's Home, number two. This is a like a lullaby, a very very lovely lullaby, um, but not much singing in it. Like there weren't much cliff. So as you can see at the moment, he's already had. Four top ten hits, and we're only two years in, 1980 and 1981. Mm. You know, he's still very, very big. Following, I think that's unfair. And this is with the music changing. You know, we're going into the car, uh, the car, Gary Newman, and you know, singing the cars, got OMD, you know, all these synth pop, you know, on the horizon, and he's still going. But his 80s stuff isn't 80s. No. Like, it's not giving me the 80s feel. No. Okay, 1982, The Only Way Out. And again, another top 10 hit at number 10. Okay. It's got a good beat. It just sounds similar, like, throughout. Like, there's no really change in tone or range of vocals or anything. But it's nice Mm -hmm. and fast-paced, like, a good one. Uh, 1982, Little Town. Just missed out on the top 10 at number 11. Right, this is the one that I wrote is like a hymn. This is like really religious. And that's all I could think when I was listening to it. I was like, he's gone religious. Where are we going? 1983. Well, I mean, Little Town of Bethlehem. You know, where did he get it from that? I don't know, Maybe. Little Town. Um, 1983, She Means Nothing to Me at number nine. Oh, that was a head bopper. Very catchy. Mm-hmm. 1983 still True Love Ways Number 8 Oh this is a proper love song But it's a bit of a background one But it is Yeah when like you do focus on it It is lovely uh, 1983 Never Say Die Give a little bit more um, You thought it would be number 1 However, like suddenly, it's number 15. Joking! No. Right, you people in the 80s, like, I'm, like, there are some times where I sit here and I'm like, yeah, I agree, yeah, Dad, I really love all of this, like, it's amazing. Then there's times like this where I'm like, you lot were not okay. Who is not going out and buying that? That is, like, amazing. Like, you've got his real rock feel in there, it gets you moving, Good music followed by his good vocals. That was my second favourite song. Great song. Okay. Uh, Nineteen eighty-three. Still, please don't fall in love. Number seven. Okay. You look like the slow cliff. Um, this one really shows off his vocals. I did enjoy this one, but not with the same feels as the one before. Okay. His first flop of the eighties. 
1984, Baby Your Dynamite, number 27. Shut up. Yeah. That was my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favourite. Do you know how many times I've listened to that? I watched the video. Not as many as the whole package. <laughs> That's a great song. Yeah. Eating the music. The video was quite good. Like, oh, it's just a bit of everything. It's a great wow. song. But a lot of songs did. I mean, I'll be honest. In 1984, Take On Me flopped. It took another re-release in 1985 for it to. Uh, so to it was like a hit. 1984. So, not a good that, that, that 984 was Frankie Goes to Hollywood. That you know, Cliff against that sort of music was never gonna. But yeah, 1984 was probably the year of Frankie. All right, I'm not saying that it should have been a. I mean, I did think it would be a number one, but compared to others, all right, it might not have been up there. But that's a bit of a joke, if you ask me. Um, so 1985, we're going into now, and she's so beautiful, number 17. So we go back to slow. Yeah. It picks up as it goes on, so it's quite nice in that sense. Um, and like it shows off his voice, and it's got some good lyrics in there. That did focus on the lyrics in there. It's quite a beautiful song, to be fair. Okay, so 1986, Living Doll. Yeah. Now, let's not forget, Living Doll was Cliff's one. first yeah. number one yeah. in 1959. Living Doll was also a number one. Oh, no, it wasn't. Sorry, I'm getting my doubts. It was the Young Ones was number one, not Living Doll. Living uh, Doll, sorry, was then released with the Young Ones, who were a top TV comedy at the time. Um, okay. With Rick Mayo, uh, Rick Mayo um, oh, I can't think who played Neil, but yeah. Um, and he had a few songs himself. Um, but yeah, so um, it was released as a comic relief single. It's probably one of the first comic relief singles that we had. So the Red Noses and all that. Basically, he's done Living Doll before. Yep. And then and this time, comedy thing brought it back. And then do it for 30 time. years later. This is going to be a number one then, because it's... It is a number one, yes. It was 1986, The Young Living Doll, number one. Well, it don't count, because it was for charity. It was for charity. It was for comic relief. Don't count. Well... But we go back to slow. No. Um, it's... Do you know what I liked? Oh, this explains it now. This is what I've written. God, I've just clicked that I, I can remember the song now. <laughs> right. It is a good song, to be fair, actually. Yeah. Oh, that's the. Got myself a crying, walking, sleeping, talking, living doll. But, right, Dad, listen to what I wrote. It's got a bit of a blues feeling, right? I feel like it's an oldie, but got a good sound to it. It is an oldie. Yeah. Yeah. Old 1959, song. it was number I one. Got that from it yeah but it's oh, not a cover it is cliff's song yeah. and it was a number one originally but just call which me. gives it a bit of um it, a bit more you know it was a number one anyway it's not it's not like um when um peter k um that, with um, um with loco and, uh, what's it ah oh, not five thousand miles the other one 
What was the other one? Armadillo. Armadillo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, I don't think Christie had it as number one. Tony Christie. Don't think he got number one with it. Anyway, yeah, I do like Living Doll. So there you go. That was the number one. So, but, number 19... one, but it does 1980... number one earlier. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. 1986, All I Ask of You, number three. Nah, not a fan. Got a bit of opera going on in here. What's that all about? It's very like classical, this one. So now, if we just hold, hold fire there. Now, I said his most popular time was between 1960 and 65. Now, I said earlier five years, actually six, isn't it? Because we're the 60 as well. We've got it. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I was now, we've just come to the end of 1986. OK, now in that period of time, bear in mind, this is 20 years previous. He had 21 top 10 hits. Yeah. In the 80s, between 1980 and 86, he had 10 top 10 hits with a number one. That's still some going 20 years later, and he's well in his 40s now. No, Dad, what you've got to understand, this isn't to do with it being good music. It's to do with his following. Well, of course it is. So the 60s Absolutely. Are like him sitting there being like, oh, yeah, in the 80s. I'd that's like anything. That's, in that's, that's anything. Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran, he could release a duffer and it would probably do well. Yeah, I do listen to everything he ain't releases. And you've got to remember that as well, the marketing these days is is something else, you know. Yeah. We, you know about an Ed Sheeran song coming out tw two months before it's even, he's probably, you probably know about it before he's even gone and recorded it. Being in, you're exaggerating a bit, there, Dad. Well, what I'm, I, I would say the 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 marketing is is um, much better these days than what it was back then. No, right. But let me tell you, because you've got an obsession with Ed Sheeran for some reason today. Um, so Ed Sheeran. Only because he is the equivalent from what I can't think of any. All right. Um, what do you say, Mallard? So, no, give me Mallard's songs, and um, duck. And we'll we'll discuss Mallard. You know, I mean, we we'll do that. All right. So end of this series, guys. Dad is going to have Drake. <laughs> um no but like okay yes i agree with like marketing but it's not like they've got adverts and stuff it's just through social media so like ed sheeran does like his own by just like ed sheeran put videos up of him singing do you know what i mean uh -huh. or like make a story and talk to his fans i'll put it out there i think cliff richard at his peak was better than ed sheeran and I wasn't even around at Cliff Richard's peak, but I think he... That, do you know what? Ed Sheeran might be like my take on... Uh, might be like my heart to you, right? There's not one song that... There's only one song that I won't listen to of his, but that's got nothing to do with him. That's got to do with something else. Um, his, like, he's like, nah, he's like a lyrical genius, I think, as mm. well. Okay. All right. Does Cliff um, Richard write his own songs? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Oh, that is a good... I've, I'm not sure now. I bet I'm, you don't write all of them. 
I'm going to have to. Well, I'm sure he doesn't. No, I'm, I don't know. Um, let's let's look. Let's quickly look at two of his. Well, he didn't write mistletoe and wine. Well, there you go. And he didn't write living doll. And they're two big ones. Where is Ed Sheeran? And there's so many things about congratulations, I can't even find the song. Yeah. So it looks like that's a no. He had someone else writing the songs. Ed Sheeran not only has writes his songs or he is part of the writing processes in oh. he's got writing credits on no no that's that's fine because no he but didn't write he, he also, didn't write congratulations either he also writes songs for other artists mm. oh so yeah you, you do find that from from songwriters that they uh, write songs for other artists yeah. i didn't know that um private dancer Tina Turner, obviously we've still got these to yeah. come, was actually written by Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits. Oh. I did not know that until obviously she's recently passed. And um, yeah, so um, I found that. So yeah, um, a lot of people who do write the songs, obviously he was the prime songwriter for Dire Straits. Yeah. Um, they do write for others. See, Bruno Mars was a songwriter before he was an artist. Yeah. So um so yeah. Um but yeah, no, it doesn't look like Cliff was um didn't write his own songs. Well we we move on now then, okay. You've won that argument, I'll give you that. Ed Sheeran on that basis for me, I I yeah. Um See? so he's he's one of these that, you know, like I suppose Whitney Houston and that when you get to when you get up there, you give them songs that you've written, hoping that it will be a hit. And yeah. the more, it's more likely to be a hit with someone's name and you get a cut of the, the royalties because mm -hmm. you're the songwriter. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. So 1987, My Pretty One, that got to number six. I like the background music and like it is like it's good piece of music. The only thing it was missing, I was waiting for it to like drop. I was waiting for the beat to change for it to you know what we like where it changes on the chorus i was waiting for that uh -huh. 1987 still another song that i like some people got to number three it's nice it's not an up there song it's calming relatable i found like the lyrics uh, i listened to the lyrics in that one and just what they were saying like all about people and what they're like what they're about and whatnot it it can talk to you and it builds mm -hmm. itself up that is okay okay um i've just found out funny enough i just looked it up wired for sound was written by alan tarney alan tarney was involved with aha maybe that's why i liked wired for sound maybe it was a similar sounding oh yes uh where did i get to some people uh 1987 remember me at number 35 Again, this one, 35. 35. Yeah, right. This one should be higher up in the chart as well. This one, again, I listened more to the lyrics. Um, I like the chorus. 
it's got meaningful words in it. I think it should have been that bit higher. Okay. 1988, Two Hearts, number 34. But it's got a few. I thought this one would be a top one, you know. I It's got a few, like, instrumentals in there. Um, but it's got a good beat and good lyrics. So I thought, I don't know, there was just something about it I thought would be higher up. 1988, Mistletoe and Wine, number one. Of course. Like, as soon as you gave me Living Dollars, the first number one, I was meant to say, well, the other number one definitely going to be his Christmas song. Always going to be that, isn't it? I didn't listen to it, though, because I was like, I can't. I'm not listening to a Christmas song in June. Um. I, was, I think Mistletoe and Wine is better than Saviour's Day, which is his last yeah. number one, and that was also a Christmas song. Mistletoe and Wine is a classic. Oh, Millennium Prayer as well, wasn't there? So, I, yeah. yeah. I don't listen to any other Cliff Richard Christmas songs, only Mistletoe and Wine. Oh. Uh, 1989, The Best of Me, number two. Oh, this one's like one that you'd play at your wedding. It's a lovely, lo- it's like a beautiful love song. Uh-huh. Uh, 1989 I Just Have the Heart number 3 Get you moving nice and upbeat so you can see what happens he had a number 1 with Mistletoe and Wine and his next two songs are number 2 and 3 however before it he had a number 35 and a number 34 yeah <laughs> it's all people are like oh yeah we like this one let's see you must be back on the good stuff <laughs> Uh, 1989, Lean on You, number 17. Oh, it's got a lovely sound. You can sway to it. It's a very relaxing song. Uh, 1989, Whenever God Shines His Lights, with Van Morrison, and that got to number 20. How this isn't further down, I don't know. This one, because it was with Van Morrison, I couldn't find it, so it weren't until I watched videos that I was like, I need to find it, but then I realised I could have found it. It's just Cliff Richards. So when I put it in, it literally just says Van Morrison. Morrison. It doesn't say Cliff Richard anywhere. So I didn't know it was with, and you didn't say it was with Van Morrison, but um, it's just not his style at all. You could have missed that one out. Like That one just... It it just didn't fit with any of the music that I'd listened to. I'll be honest, I didn't know it was with Van Morrison until I was doing the write-up. Yeah. When when I got the charts to get the music to give you, it just said, obviously, I just looked up Cliff Richard's songs and that it it normally says featuring or with or whatever, but it didn't for this one. Uh, Okay. So that was Sir Cliff. Sir Cliff. That is the end of this week's show. Um, do you want to fill in some time with a couple more artists? or yeah, Let's just co- cover a few more. Okay, so we'll start with John Farnham. Mm-hmm. I've gone rock with him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and before you go on, obviously this was only one song. Yeah. I listened to uh, two more songs, Two uh-huh. Strong Hearts. That was a straight in and a great song with a great beat. And Pressure Down, 
again like he's got the same feels like he's he knows i think what's what genre he's in he knows what type of music he wants he knows what his sound is because the two songs that i listened to they weren't like similar but you know he's found his place Mm. okay he did have a number one but you didn't listen to it was it out of the 80s you you will find out when i talk it through um so john farnham is from dagenham essex and um he's a pop rock kind of guy um and i've written down active but guess what i haven't put anything next to it (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah active since 1964 oh so he's been around a long time as well yes so he was born in 1949 so Although born in England, he was brought up in Australia after his parents emigrated to Australia in 1959 when John was 10. John was originally billed as Johnny Farnham and was mainly seen as an adult contemporary singer. His career was mainly as a solo artist. However, between 1982 and 1985, He was lead singer for the Little River Band after replacing Glenn Shollock. Ah, that's where his number one is, isn't it? It was after this that John would go on to have his biggest hit when his single, You're the Voice, peaked at number one on the Australian singles chart. Oh! while the album Whispering Jack would also reach number one and held that spot for 25 weeks and is the third highest selling album in Australian history. Oh my God. So he's, a, he's up there in Australia, isn't he? He's the Cliff of Australia. The Cliff of Australia. Doubt he's done as much. Both the single and the album had top 10 successes internationally, including the single being number one in Germany and Sweden. So did you say I had a number one, but you didn't? He's had a number one. No, I said he's had a number one, but you didn't listen to it. Okay. With your The Voice. I did listen to your The Voice. Oh, well, sorry. Yeah, well, then, you, sorry, I didn't, I, I'm forgetting what I've given you. I'm forgetting what I've given you to listen to. So, yeah, oh, that's, oh, that is his biggest hit. So, right. Sorry. I was like... So, Your Voice was number one in Australia, Germany and Sweden. Right. Okay. Not so, either. apologies. I haven't said where he did here, have I? He's not got a number one here. There's no way that would be number one and then he wouldn't... How many out. number ones did I say at the beginning you listened to? You didn't. You said Cliff I had did. two. No, you didn't. You said Cliff oh, had did I not? Oh, did I just say Cliff had two? Sorry. Yeah. Farnham would go on to become one of his country's best known and most popular performers as he is the only Australian artist to have a number one record, album or single in five consecutive decades. As I said, he is the Cliff of Australia. Okay, he is the Cliff of Australia. 
And funny enough, it does say echoing that of Cliff Richard in the UK. Oh, bless him. Farnham has won numerous awards, including 21 arrears. So the Australian Recording Industry Association Awards. Okay, a bit like a Brit. How many Brit Awards did we say Cliff won? Three. <laughs> 21 Australians. Um, and he's also inducted into the Aria Hall of Fame. I feel like there's less people to compete with, isn't there? So, isn't yeah. So that was, that was John Farnham. Oh, is that it? That's him. <laughs> That's it. That's him. That's, you know... He's he's in his he's obviously big in Australia, but not yeah. big over here. But he is Australia's equivalent of Cliff Richard, and we just went how well Cliff Richard was. Yeah, but to be fair to him, like he, so you get people that obviously just want it, want to do music, and they want the fame that comes with it, and all the big hits and rah rah rah. He's obviously not one of those people. He's quite happy in his like, Australian little bubble. They are loving him. He doesn't have to leave and probably doesn't have to do tours unless they're around Australia. So he's probably just loving his own little life, getting his hits over there and being a big, huge... Hmm. However, like Cliff, he didn't write You're the Voice. Oh, that makes me sad. Didn't I think I've it. decided people need to write their own songs now. Yeah. <laughs> but, right, oh no, go on, tell me where it came first. So, 1987, You're the Voice, yeah. number one in Australia, number one in Germany, number one in Sweden, number three in Ireland. Didn't you get number one in Japan as well? Number three in Switzerland. Number six in Austria. And it was also number six in the UK. That's not all right, is it? That's a bit of a joke. I, I'm sure not... I, I think he would have been more disappointed that he was only number 13 in New Zealand. Oh, yeah, just to go over the, over the sea. He'd be fuming. Um, so... Now we're on all the others, not Cliff Richard. I was really shocked. I recognised all the other songs that you've given me by all these other artists that I'd never heard of their names before. Um, because the, and they're also such big songs. So I'm like, how are they not? Like, six for You're the Voice? Like, it's amazing. It's sing-along, feel-good, right up my street. And do you know what made it even better? The video. The video mm. gave so much of a deeper meaning to it. Like, oh, it's just a beautiful video. Like, and it gives me more, like, it just makes the song make sense. Like, you can listen to the song and appreciate the song, but then you watch the video and you're like, I get it now. I get it. That The video made me like it even more. Okay. So, if anyone's listened to this um, podcast, the one bit of advice we can give you is watch the video for John Farnham's You're the Voice. 100%. Okay, so let's move on to Don Henley. Yes, so again, you gave me one song. Um, I put him as country rock. And I, again, listened to two more songs. So I listened to The End of the Innocence. It's quite a long voice, but it does show off, like, because 
I feel like Don Henley has a really good vocal range. So that the end of the innocence really shows that off. Um, and the lyrics go quite deep. Yeah, I think I've been a lyric person this week. And then I listened to Dirty Laundry, which takes a while to kick in. It might be that bit too instrumental for me. Okay. So, Don Henley is from Gilmer, Texas, US. He's been active since 1971. These people have been active for a long time this week. He's rock stroke country rock, so well done. Hey, I got one. You did. So Don Henley was a founding member of the rock band Eagles. Eagles? Yes. Eagles, I recognise Eagles. Oh, you should do. I mean, in the US, they are big. They had, I'm just looking now, they had one, two, three, four, five number ones in the 1970s. I feel like Grandad liked the Eagles, not your dad. Yeah. So um, I've written it on here, actually, funny enough. (laughs) The band would have five number ones on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart between 1974 and 1994, including 1977's Hotel California. Surely you've heard of that. I'm pretty sure if you were to listen to it, uh, you'd have yeah, heard like it. Yeah, I know a song called Hotel California. Oh, it's yeah, more than likely that song. And that song was written by Don Henley. Hey, we got a songwriter. So he's a songwriter, along with other members of Eagles, but he is a co-songwriter of Hotel California. Do 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 do. You're not telling it. Not, you're not doing it just Comes up straight away when you write in hotel. So I've got it up ready. Yeah. Uh, the band split. In 1980, but reformed in 1994, and then had a number a number one with "Love Will Keep Us Alive" on the U.S. Um, adult Contemporary Billboard chart. Okay, so basically, how Don Henley's life has gone: he was in a band, he's in the 80s by himself, went back to the and back in the band. Yes. Okay. So it was following the band splitting in 1980 that Henley embarked on a solo career with his second single, Dirty Laundry, peaking at number three on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart, as well as number one on the Billboard Mainstream Rock chart. It was also number one in Canada. He would have a further three singles, reach the top ten of the Billboard Hot 100, the Boys of Summer, number five in 1984. All She Wants to Do is Dance, number nine in 1985. And The End of the Innocence, number eight in 1989. Although all three singles did reach number one on the Billboard Mainstream Rock chart. He also duetted with his then girlfriend, Stevie Nicks of Fleetwood Mac 
on her top 10 adult contemporary hit, Leather and Lace. In 1979, Nix had an abortion after becoming pregnant by Henley. Henley claims that Nick's song, Sara, was about their unborn child. So, um, yes. And obviously we know about Nick's and the Fleetwood Mac and all that from when we spoke. So, yeah. Um, So after the Eagles reformed in 1994, they continued until splitting again in 2016 due to the founding member Glenn Frey's death. In 2017, they started touring again. I really like Don Henley's life. He's just so wholesome, isn't it? Like, oh, but he just didn't do very well as a soloist. Well, he did. He had three number ones in America in the book chart. Yeah, I guess he's American, so. Yeah, but still not in the main chart, is it? Like they've, done, they've done all right. He's done better in a band. He's better in a band than he is as a soloist. That's what. I yes, mean. yes, I yeah, I'd agree there. Um, but the Eagles were big, you know. I mean, you didn't have them, so they were more. They didn't. They weren't around oh. as such. And yet they was nineteen seventies. When you were saying the Eagles, I was like, I've heard of them. Should I be really knowing them? Because yeah, them. I mean, they were around. Big, didn't, they had a few. As far as in the in the US, they had you know they had number eight in 1980 with I I can't tell you why, but it didn't wasn't charted in the they UK. Broke, and they've also broken up, and then that, that's why we've got Don Henley in the 80s. Yeah, because yeah exactly. they together, so. I mean, even over here in Hotel California, only got to number eight. Oh, which is travesty, really, when it got to number one in both America and Canada. No surprise there. I uh, got to number two in. Oh, that's Canada again. Uh, the <laughs> contemporary chart. Um, so it didn't really do that well outside, other than New Zealand. It got to number six. So it didn't but then, do. To be fair, when you're in America, you don't really need to go anywhere else, do you? No. No, New Zealand number five. Number six in Netherlands. So it did get to number six in Netherlands. So yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, not. Um, I mean, in Australia, Hotel California only got to number sixteen. They were too busy listening to John Farnham, obviously. Uh, they're, they're they're too happy with it. So yeah. Um, so yes. So John, uh, sorry, Don Henley, nineteen eighty-five. The Boys of Summer got to number twelve. Travesty should be bigger fantastic song you can sing your heart out to it like oh i played this many times you know throughout the like from when you gave them to me i've played like all of these like these big ones at the end i've played them so many times and that one's definitely up there well i'm just finding out if he wrote it you know you see oh i also forgot to say um He's a very 80s looking man. Like, he fits uh-huh. well in the 80s, I think. Like, when I look at Cliff Richard in the 80s, I'm like, mm, you don't fit the vibe. You don't have that 80s look. Whereas uh-huh. Don Henley, he does. He's got an 80s. Um, so, as far as The Boys of Summer, he was a co writer and a co producer. So, he, oh, you know, okay. he, uh... so he's had 
he was definitely involved and you know we've already said he also wrote for the eagles so yeah he's a he's definitely a songwriter that's good okay moving on to kenny loggins mm-hmm. kenny loggins so i have also gone for country rock with him um i have listened to meet me halfway no yeah meet me halfway and uh that shows off his vocals it's quite soft um and what i've realized so when i was listening to kenny loggins the two songs you gave me are definitely from soundtracks. Um, what Meet Me Halfway is another soundtrack song. So I was like, he's just a soundtrack guy. He's your go-to guy when you want to have like a soundtrack for a film. But so then I like dived into him a bit more and I listened to two other songs that weren't def- that were definitely his for him doing music. One of them was Your Mama Don't Dance, and that's got a very country sound bit different gets you moving like is it that's a good feel one that um like with the countryness in it as well and then i listen to whenever i call you friend um i've literally written bloody amazing sound you need to listen to it i think you'd like it and it also weirdly has stevie nicks in it mm-hmm. so you mentioned stevie nicks with don henley i listened to her this week so yeah, but that one's really good. I really enjoyed that one. Um, and yeah, so the only things that I've got is obviously he's a soundtrack guy. Both songs are from films. He's got a good voice. He's got a bit of huskiness to it. I like it. Um, when I watched the videos, the Danger Zone video was literally from the film Top Gun. So yeah, and, and then- that that I mean, you know, I'd have said it when I go through it, but. That is my favourite track of that soundtrack album. I prefer it to take my uh, breath away. I yeah, I think I do actually. Danger Zone is an amazing song. Yeah. Um, and then Footloose. It's hard to tell whether I'm watching him or the film because I've not seen Footloose as well. Like I don't know whether you've seen. You know who's in it, don't you? The man from the EE advert. Kevin Bacon. Bacon. Oh, okay, maybe I was watching Kenny Loggins then. But if it is him in the video that I was watching, he's a really good dancer. Um, and yeah, all I want to know is like with because I thought Footloose would be a number one if we were to have any more, but it depends on whether it came out before the film and then got added to the film or whether it was made for the film and so when it do you know do you know what i mean that depends when it came out okay so kenny loggins is from everett washington us he's been active since 1970 and his genre is soft rock country and pop hey you know i've been wishing for country all these years oh yeah a bit this week yeah so soft rock, a bit of country, and a bit of pop. So mm. Kenny Loggins got his break when introduced to an independent record producer, Jim Messina. They recorded a number of Loggins' early work, and thanks to Messina, Columbia signed up Loggins to a six-album contract. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, Messina produced Loggins' debut album and assembled the Kenny Loggins Band, 
which was made up from Messina's old friends, bassist Larry Sims, drummer Merrill Briganti, violinist Al Garth, and percussionist John Clark, along with keyboardist Michael Martin. Messina also persuaded Loggins to buy an electric guitar to play. That's one thing we've had this week. Everyone's kind of been in a band before they went solo. Mm. Or had a band as their backing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some some form of band going on. Yeah. Well, mind you, John Farnham. Oh, no, he was... Uh, what did I say about John Farnham? Um, oh, yeah, he was... No, he was billed as Johnny Farnham. No, he wasn't. Oh, no, he was in the oh, Little Wooden Band. Yes, you're right. He replaced Glenn Shorrock. Shorrock. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so... Um, Messina originally intended to lead to, to lend his name to the project um, to help introduce Loggins, who was an unknown, relative unknown. Um, however, Messina's contribution was so much to the album in terms of songwriting and arrangement that an accidental duo was formed. Thus, the album became Kenny Loggins with Jim Messina. And it was called Sitting In. Oh, no, sorry. So in a, in a sense, it was Kenny Loggins with Jimmy, Jim Messina sitting in. Right. Yes, yeah, so the cool. album was called Sitting I mean, In. But if you read it all together, it was Kenny Loggins with Jim Messina sitting in, which is quite, yeah. you know, yeah, good. good That's job. quite clever. Yeah. Quite clever. Um, that was released in 1972. So... Both Messina and Loggins were guitar players, with Loggins playing rhythm guitar and Messina playing the lead. Both played acoustic and electric. Later albums became more of two soloists sharing the same album than a genuine duo partnership. So they'd both go oh, off with their own songs and own... release them as one. That's quite nice, though, that they've... They've managed to Yeah, go but the album would have probably been a bit because you'd got two different people working on it. I mean, yeah, I know one of the Aha albums, they literally didn't didn't couldn't decide or didn't want to upset each other. So they had as they many of each one. Mm. Yeah, um oh I've forgotten what it's called. Lifeline a Lifelines album, I think it is. And the album is just so random and it's very long as well. It's got fifteen tracks oh. on. Um mm. And also, I, I don't know, it doesn't always work. Uh, yeah, but also if you're a um, fan of either Kenny Loggins or Jimmy Seenid, then you'll know that they're... Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And I guess, cleverly, could get them both more sales. Well, yeah. Because there are two lots of fans buying it, not necessarily yeah. like Kenny Loggins fans might skip the Jimmy Seenid tracks, but still bet one way for... Sales, isn't it? In 1977, Loggins produced his first solo album, Celebrate Me Home, which included the successful song I Believe in Love. His follow-up album, Night Watch, was released in 1978, and it included the hit song Whenever I Call It You Friend, a duet with Stevie Nicks of Fleetwood Mac. As you mentioned earlier. You need to listen to it. You'll really like it, I think. 
1979, Loggins co-wrote with Michael McDonald, What a Fool I Believe... No, sorry, What a Fool Believes, with each recording their own version. Ooh. Loggins released his version first, with McDonald recording as a member of the Doobie Brothers. And it was their version which achieved greater success, reaching number one in the US Billboard Hot 100 and earning both the co-writers, McDonald and Loggins, a Grammy for Song of the Year. So Loggins had his first number one, not with his own, well, it was his own song. He wrote it, but he, he didn't sing it. it. Yeah, It wasn't his version that was number one. In 1979, like a nice bit of competition. Yeah. Like in 1979, the duo again co-wrote the song "This Is It," which was only recorded this time by Loggins for release and reached number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100. I wonder if the Doobie Brothers had recorded it. We may might have had a number a number one out of it. Yeah. Um. Maybe they wanted to give him a chance. With the song earning Loggins another Grammy Award, this time for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. During the next decade, Loggins recorded many successful songs for film soundtracks. Um, That he became known as the king of the movie soundtrack. Soundtrack guy. (laughs) There you go. The king of the movie soundtrack is a bit better than just the soundtrack guy, isn't it? Soundtrack guy that just stuck with me. So I'm getting nervous. This success began with I'm Alright from Caddyshack, followed by Footloose and I'm Free, Heaven Helps the Man from Footloose, and Danger Zone from Top Gun. At Live Aid in 1985 at the Philadelphia concert, Loggins performed but loose. Bet that would have got more dancing in Philadelphia. 100%. In September 2022, saw Loggins once again joined by Jim Messina as they played two dates at Los Angeles Hollywood Bowl for a 50-year anniversary weekend celebration. Loggins also played his his own hits in the second half of the show, including Footloose and Danger Zone. You've got to, though, haven't you? Like, when you've released those two songs, you can't go anywhere and not sing them. Yeah. Okay. So, 1984, Footloose got to number six. That's it. Number six. For that. That is a classic get you up and dance, like... Oh, it's a great song. And I've not even seen the film. Uh, I haven't either, actually. It's not my type of thing. It's my cup of tea, Footloose. Maybe you need to watch it. Yeah. Kevin Bacon's mainly known for. Um, And then 1986, Danger Zone. I gave you it because I like it, but it only got to number 45 in the UK. Stop. Again, that's another classic. And again, I know that song and have never seen the film. Yeah. Oh, you haven't oh. seen Top Gun? Oh, That's not my type of film at all. Gun and Maverick. No, no they're not mm. my films. They're like no. two action. I'm not an action. We want, I wanted to watch Maverick, and Yvonne said, well, I've not watched Top Gun, so we watched Top Gun, and then we watched Maverick. Yvonne liked it, yeah. Because I 
Bond's yeah. a similar film person yeah, to me, yeah. but she's yeah. not an action. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a. Connor's watched him. He likes him. Um, so Danger Zone did get to number two in the billboard. Oh. Sorry, number seven. It got to number, sorry, got to number two in the, yeah, in the Billboard Hot 100. And it got to number seven in the mainstream rock. Well, um, it got to number seven in Canada. And it got to number six in Switzerland. But it oh, didn't, obviously, uh, number 14 in Australia. Number 12 in New Zealand, but yeah, in the UK, number 45. Travesty, that should, should so, be. Yes. Okay. Michael Sembello, the last artist of the week. Yep. Again, I recognise his song that you've given me. I have put him in synth pop. I think he's a bit of proper 80s, this guy. Um, I've also listened to automatic man it's got a good beat but it took a while to kick in and then i listened to it's over and that's got really good vocals it's calm and quite a slow one so they're a bit two different sides to this michael um i watched a video for maniac would not recommend it's very odd i don't have a clue what michael sembella looks like because he's not in the video i don't see him it's just about this woman and it's a very trippy video at the beginning it's like a bit sexualizing of women like zooming in on like parts of their body and then when it gets to the chorus like the don't watch it if you've got epilepsy that's all i'm gonna say because the flashing and then the woman is like she's gone a bit psychotic it's very odd okay so he's from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He's been active since 1975. And he is synth pop, new wave and high energy and a bit of pop. Okay. Michael Sambello began his music career as a session musician. And by 17, he was working professionally with Stevie Wonder on both electric and acoustic guitar. Can you imagine that? Yeah. How did you start your career? Well, just Stevie Wonder me. In 1982, Sembello wrote the song Carousel, which was recorded by no other than Michael Jackson for his Thriller album. However, it was replaced on the track list by Human Nature. But the oh. song was included as a bonus track on Thriller 25 the 25th anniversary edition reissue of the album. Okay. In 1983, Sembello released his first solo album, Bossa Nova Hotel, which included the single Maniac, which he co-wrote with his keyboardist, Dennis Matosti, and was selected for inclusion in the film Flashdance on their soundtrack. Maniac was the second best charting song from the soundtrack after the title track by Irene Cara. Okay. Sembello has since recorded another four albums, with his last being in 2002, Ancient Future. But none of his records have reached the heights of Maniac, which reached number one on the Billboard 100 number two in Australia and Switzerland, 
Plus was a top 10 hit in Germany, number 6, and New Zealand, number 7. So it's quite strange. The two biggest artists, Cliff Richard and John Farnham, John Farnham obviously as far as Australia as goes, Australia, yeah. they, never, they weren't songwriters as such. No. But the last three guys. who didn't have as many hits are songwriters. Yeah. So it just shows you can go one way or the other. or you. Ah, uh, then they might not be good in the music business as singers. Yes, but, but they they've got well their backup written. career of they could have written loads yeah. of songs for other artists. Well, like we just said, Michael Sembello wrote, wrote a song for... Yeah. Um, Flashdance? Well, no, Maniac was on Maniac the Flashdance album. Yeah. He wrote a song for Michael Jackson that's on that's the Thriller it. album or, yeah. or on the, the Thriller bonus album in bonus. the 25 year. So, yeah. yes. So, okay. he's out there writing songs like... Yeah, so I did. Now it's funny how coincidences happen. I did not know John Farnham was Australia's equivalent to. So you didn't know Richard. that. You didn't I didn't know that when I put this down. Oh, that is just okay. pure coincidence. And it's the That's same bad. as Kenny Loggins, the king of soundtrack. I did obviously not know that. I know his yeah. songs, obviously Footloo. I didn't know Maniac was from Flashdance. I've never yeah. watched Flashdance. Wouldn't have known no. it. I just no, happened no. to put him on with Kenny Loggins. Didn't know that. And the funny thing is, I only added it because I like the song. <laughs> okay. Because actually, you shouldn't have had it. Oh, so Michael Sambella is actually not really an eight hitting 80s artist. 1983, Maniac, in the UK, was number 43. Stop! What is wasn't wrong even with you? a top 40 hit you shouldn't have even listened to it but i couldn't leave it out but and as it is it goes well with kenny loggins who's also a soundtrack person soundtrack so, guy yes ah well maniac recognize this belt your heart out to it and you can just get in the groove with it okay the, the video is just a bit weird so don't recommend that right hit or miss Sir Cliff Richards. Miss. Wow. I'm not a Cliff Richard fan. Okay. I would listen to a selected few, but yep. I was disappointed. Like, I'm just yep. not a Cliff Richard fan. No, no. Um... I'll put it out there. His, the stuff that you've given me that was in the 80s isn't 80s to me. So no. I'm also there like, well, you're not selling the 80s to me, Cliff. You're not, you're not that vibe no. that I've got. I'm just no. disappointed, and I, to be fair, like I know some Cliff Richard songs, but I don't know a vast majority. Um, but yeah, I was just disappointed. Like, yeah, just, no, no, I'd yeah. agree. He's I'm a not bit a Cliff too fan. Slow for me. I like Wired for Sound. I like some people. As I say, you do need to listen to "We Don't Talk Anymore." Is last I feel hit, like I probably know that um, one, but yeah. Um, no, and I'm not a fan of him at Christmas and that. And obviously, he's gone into this Christian side of it, and I'm I'm not that. Yeah, um, yeah. You know. I just think all of his there's, songs there's, are very slow. There's much better Christmas Christy. songs than his as well. I feel you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, like I like you Mr. said. And wine, but yeah, but it's not not one of my top the, Christmas it's not songs. The top. No, 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 no. Um, and like you said, he's got to where he is through his popularity from when he was in the sixties and. Yeah. Um, like I reckon, so what song was it? Living Doll. Living Doll? Yeah. 
living yep. doll. I liked that one. So considering now I know, and I did have the feeling that it was an oldie, I might like his older stuff rather than all well, that of was what That was his first number one, and that was in yeah, 1959. I, mean. so I might like that him one, in the 60s. So, so yeah. Yeah, not in but definitely listen to We Don't Talk Anymore. But again, yeah, it's it's not it's not upbeat, to be honest. So um, you mm. might not like it, but I do like that. Um, OK, you're John Farnham then. Only one song, You're the Voice. Hit. You did listen to some of us. A hit. I did. A hit. So it you prefer the hit. Australian Cliff Richard over the UK Cliff yeah. Richard. Yeah, I do. He's just, mm. I don't know. Uh, but your the voice is just beautiful and like the other songs that i listen to they've got these good beats and you know it, it grabs oh. me so okay. yeah he's a hit don henley another hit another hit um, maybe you need to maybe you need to look uh, up the eagles you might yeah, i think you well, might I'm like the go eagles listen, music i'm gonna listen if you like to california, california then listen to a few mm. others yeah mm, yeah mm. i mean to be fair with don henley he's a hit but the other two songs that i listened to they weren't the best but mm. I really like the Boys of Summer. Uh-huh. So he's a hit. Kenny Loggins. Oh, he's another hit. The songs that you've got, even the ones that aren't his soundtrack, like Whenever I Call You a Friend and Your Mama Don't Dance. I've listened to Your Mama Don't Dance, think about it, three times. Uh-huh. Like, it, yeah. So I, I like the extra songs that I listen to as well, let alone the classics of Footloose and Danger Zone. Okay. Michael Sembello. Um, see, I'm on the fence about him. I want to say hit, but it's like I weren't, I weren't taken by the other songs that I listened to. Do you know what I mean? Like it is yeah. just maniac. Whereas, can you like, just say that about Don Henley? Yeah, yeah, but Don Henley. I did like like Dirty Laundry. I did really like. I did really uh-huh. like that one. Whereas and the End of Innocence, I like that. Like I like his voice. So I think if I listen yeah. to more, Thank like you. listen to them two, they're not the best. But I would probably no. go listen to more because of the feels that I got. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. Michael Sembello, the other songs, yeah, it's got a beat, but they're a bit different from one another. So I've I've not got like a whole picture to know. I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, let's go hit based off Maniac though. Even though it wasn't a hit, even though it wasn't. Even a hit. weren't like I, I do think he's. I think he's been robbed. He can have a hit from me because he was robbed. <laughs> no, let's go hit because I might. Yeah, like I might. Let's, let's go out and listen to more. Okay. I think they all deserve so, a bit more. All a hit, Barcliff Richard. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. There we go. Okay. That brings us to the end of this week's mm-hmm. episode. All it leads me is to give you next week's. Yeah. And um, you may know one or two artists. Well, to be fair, I only knew Cliff Richard this week, but then every other artist you gave me, I knew all their songs. So who knows? So, there we go. Mm-hmm. I think you may know two artists. Okay. We shall I'm see. The other one, the other one, I'm not so sure, but you should know him. Um, I think you'll definitely know one. Okay. Are you ready? I am. David Bowie. Oh yeah. Okay. Don't think I know his songs though. Mm. I don't think I know David Bowie's songs. Okay. Okay. Not yeah. as many as Cliff, but 
still quite a few. It's still up there, yeah. Will Downing. No. Paul Simon. No. Oh, he was the other one I was expecting you to know. No, I don't remember. F.R. David. No. Richard Marks. No. And Glenn Medeiros. No. Okay. But I'll get, like, I might know the songs. Okay. So we'll see. So they are the six artists next week. Okay. So we've gone up so we've had five for the first two episodes, but you're going up to six for this. So one. Shaking Stevens was the biggest yep. hit. Like he had the most hits of the 80s. Yes. And yep. Cliff Richard was the second. Yes. Is David Bowie the third? Yes. 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 Right. Okay. We're going like that. We're going like that. Is that? Yeah. 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 Right, okay. Cool. Yeah. As far as the main. I know you're um, not. Like, obviously, it's going to start balancing. No. No. Because. No. 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 We haven't. Uh, Shaking Stevens was first and Cliff Richard is second. But for some reason, Michael Jackson is further down the list. But um, he's got quite a few. Um, oh, okay. He's got more than David Bowie, and right. um, and Prince is quite way down as well. Um, and he's got a few as well. So no, I haven't. Oh, okay. Order. All right, okay. But the first two were the first two: Shaken were. Stevens and Cliff. David Bowie's up there. He's only behind Michael Jackson. Right. Okay. With you. Okay. Okay. Right. So yes, that is it. All right. I shall say bye. I will send you the songs and um, we'll discuss next week. Yeah, we shall. I'll have to, yeah, I really can't think of any David Bowie songs. I bet I have heard some, but he's not really, I don't think he's someone, like, he's not someone that I've ever gone and listened to. So, but you may well be after next week. We'll find out. We, will. we shall see. Unless he flops like Cliff. Cliff just said up there, is he? So, no. all right. Well, I'll get listening and let you know. Okay. All, all right. it takes, all it leaves me to say is goodbye. Yeah, and I'll speak to you next week. You will. Bye, Dad. Bye.